0: Are you ready to make the most of your oil and gas mineral rights? Welcome to the Mineral Rights Podcast. Get the knowledge and resources you need to manage
1: your minerals and royalties. Here is your host, Matt Sands. Hello and welcome to the Mineral Rights Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sands, and I'm here to help you make the most of your mineral rights and royalties. And Justin Williams is with me today as always. Hey, Justin.
0: Hey, good morning, Matt.
1: Good morning, and today we've got your mineral rights news for March 2021, and Justin, wow, it's sure been an exciting month to say the least as far as stuff that happened in the latter part of February from the Arctic blast that hit parts of Texas. Uh, We have some interesting uh, stories about natural gas prices going about as high as I've ever seen them, so it's been an exciting month for sure.
0: It absolutely has. I mean, as far as talking about energy, you couldn't ask for more going on.
1: Yeah, just when we think things are starting to settle down, we get surprised with something else. So we'll go ahead and dive in. So this first article that we have today is Mineral Owner versus Solar Company, New Texas Case Addresses Key Issue. And in this story, we mentioned a little bit about this case in Episode 94, which talks about solar power and leasing your land for a solar farm. And this is a particular case that's important for all mineral owners to be aware of because it covers a concept called the Accommodation Doctrine. And like we mentioned in that solar power episode, the Accommodation Doctrine is basically a law that says that the mineral estate and the surface estate both have rights with regard to, to the other rights. So in other mm-hmm. words, if you have a conflict between the uh, surface owner and the use of that surface that prevents the mineral owner from enjoying the benefits of the, the mineral rights, then there needs to be an accommodation and then vice versa, such that you know, going in and developing the mineral resources, you don't want to have an undue burden that's placed on the surface owner. And so this balance uh, between surface rights and mineral rights is something that the accommodation doctrine is designed to handle. And so in this particular case, uh, the article that we are going to link to here in the show notes says, a recent Texas case, Lyle v. Midway Solar, addressed a challenge that many solar developers wrestle with, how to handle mineral owners. The El Paso Court of Appeals clarified this complex issue and demonstrated the importance of properly addressing the minerals on a site prior to developing a project. And the gist of this one was the mineral owners that they have uh, 27.5% of the mineral state in a 315-acre tract in Pecos County, Texas, where Midway Solar acquired a solar lease from the surface owner And they had attempted to um, get surface waivers from the various mineral interest owners on adjacent properties and also disclaim the interest that they might have had in any minerals to that. The thing that they didn't do, though, was acquire a surface waiver from the Lyles, who were the plaintiff in this particular case. And so the Lyles uh, sued, saying that they weren't unable to enjoy the full benefits of their mineral interests because of this solar farm. Interestingly, the solar farm did have certain surface locations they left open uh, for future oil and gas development. So it does appear that they did try to, you know, make accommodations for the, the mineral owners. Uh, interestingly, I think the court had ruled in favor of the solar developer just because there wasn't an active oil and gas lease there wasn't any oil and gas activity. So the trespass claim and the ability for you know them to use their their rights was sort of a theoretical argument because it wasn't something that they were truly uh, faced with in the present time. You know they were not having to uh, halt the drilling of the wells because the solar panels were in the way or anything like that. So, uh, the interesting thing, though, about this, and it's important to you know stay tuned on this case as it potentially goes to the Texas Supreme Court case that does uh, end up going to an appeal process, but it just really shows why solar developers need to be extra careful when they go to build a solar farm uh, to make sure that they're adequately taking into account the uh, the mineral interests and you know, agreeing greeting agreement up front from the mineral owners around that surface use and, or, you know, the ideal thing is that they potentially purchase the minerals or they're dealing with a fee simple owner where they're leasing the surface rights and they also have the, the mineral interest. And so they can work together in a partnership to make sure that you know, certain spots are left open so that wells could be drilled in the future. But um, these types of conflicts I think are going to happen more and more often as we see more Wind and solar um, being installed around the country with the focus on renewable energy. So uh, interesting case, Justin. What did you um, take away from it?
0: I I think you nailed it. You know, it'll be interesting to see as this continues and it comes up. And something you mentioned in this case was that there isn't any current activity going on. So it'll be interesting to see um, down the road when there is a company who's interested in a certain spot and interested in putting solar as well. How that ends up playing out?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, our next story here. Uh, so, cash prices soar mid natural gas shortage energy crisis. So, this is uh, about what's been going on in Texas and the southern states. From natural gas intelligence, according to February 16th midday price alert, NGI's spot gas natural average was up $21.31 to 86.745, with prices at OGT in Oklahoma shooting as high as 999 MMBTU, and averaging 918.62, up five hundred and forty four and five earlier this month, OGT was trading below three dollars. In Texas, prices at midday were up two hundred and thirty eight eighty three to four hundred dollars at Houston Ship Channel and ahead fifty five two hundred eighty to $204.680 at the Waha Hub. We'll also link to the EIA website, which shows the daily prices for the Henry Hub natural gas during the Arctic freeze that hit the uh, central U.S. and Texas the week of February 15th. The spot price went up from $3.35 MMBTU on February 9th to $23.86 MMBTU on February 17th. And uh, Matt, that is just absolutely wild, the fluctuation that has occurred.
1: It is wild. You know, it reminds me of the uh, whole GameStop frenzy that happened uh, a few weeks ago. You know, the the price of natural gas was was going to the moon, uh, as they say. And, you know, that $999 uh, at OGT was shocking. And actually, we had a listener write in about a question uh, related to the OGT spot price. And uh, do you want to go ahead and read that question?
0: Absolutely. So Cooper wrote, I do have a question regarding the recent price spike in the spot prices for Oklahoma natural gas. Will mineral and royalties owners see these prices on their checks with February 2021 gas production? I'm a mineral owner in Oklahoma, and I've seen that OGT spot prices went up last week somewhere from 50 to 600, up 4,000 to 5,000%. If the operator of the well is not hedged, uh, they would have exposure to the local spot prices, correct? And uh, Matt, would you like to talk about why that is?
1: Sure thing. Yeah. Thanks, Cooper, for your email, uh, first of all. And it is possible that if the operator isn't hedged and they're selling gas at the spot price, then they could be getting those prices for those days. Now, the thing that we need to keep in mind that this isn't the average price for the month. This was a blip, uh, so to speak, over a couple of days when um, natural gas demand went through the roof and the supply was well below that demand. So if the price were average for the month, it would definitely be higher, I think. So, if, just for example, if we had the 26 days of February with an average of $3 per mmbtu, and then we had that two day blip at $600 per mmbtu, that would result in an average price of $42.60 per mmbtu for the month of February. So that is still a really high number. Um, you know, if you think about, you know, gas prices having averaged near two dollars or so for the past year or more. You know, getting one month of forty-two dollars and sixty cents. If you have a lot of gas wells, it could be a, a really nice check. So, fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping uh, for. Some of my wells in that area as well. Uh, that they do get to see the those higher prices for the month of February. You know, either way. The average price for the month is is up, you know, so I think we'll see some higher prices in the, you know, $3 range, uh, which would be good at minimum. So even if the operator is, um, got some exposure to the spot prices, then we should see a, an increase. You know, and the other thing to keep in mind, one of the reasons that those prices went so high was a lot of production got shut in. So it is very possible that some of those wells froze off at those low temperatures that they're not really designed to handle on a, on a regular basis. So when you have a cold climate, like in Wyoming or somewhere like that, that is used to seeing temperatures below freezing and below zero, what they do is they insulate pipes. They have, they have heat trace on the lines to help keep it warm, to prevent freezing, to help keep those wells online. Now, compare that with Oklahoma and Texas that very rarely sees temperatures below freezing. A lot of those pipes are exposed. They don't have insulation on them. And so it's very likely that gas hydrates um, formed You know when those temperatures drop so low and that would have frozen off the well. It wouldn't have been producing. And so unfortunately, the reality of the situation is: is even if we saw you know, nine hundred ninety-nine dollars for that day, or you know, for those couple of days where we had those prices skyrocket in some of those local markets. You know, unfortunately, a lot of the wells were probably shut in just because they had some uh, some freezing issues. You know, that said, I'm crossing my fingers, but we'll we'll have to see. Wait and see.
0: Maybe I'm with you. I'm crossing my fingers, man.
1: So, all right. Well, the uh, the next article here is the Roaring Twenties will spark a multi-year commodity supercycle as economic growth rebounds, JP Morgan says. And before I dive into this article and, and talk about the specifics, let's talk about what a commodity supercycle is. So, commodity supercycles are when commodity prices go through an extended period during times where the price is either well above or well below that long-term price trend. And so there are two types of swings in commodity prices. Obviously, there's an upswing, and then there's a downswing. And this upswing that they're referring to here is resulting from the lag in between supply and demand. So as we are in an economic recovery with the coronavirus, we have demand going up. We've had We're recovering from a bear market in the oil and gas industry. Prices were depressed. Different philosophies going forward for these operators needing to stay within uh, cash flow. So they're going to be drilling fewer wells. So what ends up happening in like an oil super cycle is you have this trend upward in terms of supporting commodity demand. We have increasing demand. But then we have this slow moving supply to go to meet that demand. And that's because it takes time to drill new wells and to invest in the infrastructure to bring that to market. And so eventually, what happens though is as that supply becomes available and the demand growth slows, you can imagine this is like a sine wave. You reach the the peak of that and it starts to go down again. And so, this article that talks about the uh, JP Morgan note was based on the following bullet points. An imminent commodity supercycle will create a bullish backdrop for energy stocks as economic growth rebounds, JP Morgan said in a note on Wednesday. Easy monetary and fiscal policy, a weak US dollar, and stronger inflation will spark heightened demand for commodities in the years ahead, the note said. Investors are under-allocated to the energy sector based off its current weighting in the S&P 500, they also highlighted. So Basically, what we can expect, and and I hope this is true, that we do see this uh, this super cycle play out. Uh, And I do think there are a lot of uh, good points in the article. I think we're going to see a lot higher inflation over the next several years. We have the amount of stimulus that's been spent. We have the weakening of the U.S. dollar. So all of that makes sense. And then we do have the economic recovery an increased demand for well and gas as things return back to normal over the next year or two. So I think you know we will see some support for higher energy prices, and uh, you know that should bode well for our royalty checks. Now the question is going to be: Is our operators going to be more conservative this time around and not jump into increasing capital spending and drilling a bunch of new wells? and then bring getting into an oversupply situation like we saw uh you know in the past decade or so. So hopefully that is the case and and I do think that they are going to be more cautious this time around just because to be honest the investors are not supportive of them growing production like they did before the the focus for these companies is on staying profitable. So Hopefully, this will play out and we'll have some stability and, and a bullish uh, market for oil and gas here in the next uh, several years. What do you think, Justin?
0: I hope so. I mean, some of the w- large oil and gas companies could really use it to uh, tidy up their balance sheet, which would be good for the investors. And, like you say, let's hope that they go about this in a strategic and conservative manner uh, this time around.
1: Couldn't agree more. Uh, so, thanks again for listening to this month's news episode. As always, if you could do us a quick favor and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that is the one way you can help us out to make sure we're reaching everybody that needs to hear this information. So thanks again for listening and thanks, Justin.
0: Thanks, Matt so much for listening
1: to, to the, the Mineral Rights, Mental Rights Mental. Podcast with your host, Matt Sands. Don't forget to subscribe and share at Podcast.com. Podcast. Podcast. The Mineral Rights Podcast should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy.